0: Picture the world as a giant chessboard. Seated at that chessboard are multiple players. Those players are the elite. The chess pieces? Well, the chess pieces are all of you. Welcome to the second episode of The Elitist Family Next Door. If you haven't listened to the first episode of this podcast series, I suggest you go back and do so, as these episodes run consecutively. In this episode, we'll be diving into some of the first ever recorded conversations that I had with my friend about his globalist father. As a point of reference, his father was a billionaire business tycoon. He was a very high-ranking Freemason, He was on the inner circle at Bohemian Grove, and he was a Bilderberg meeting attendee. We will also be taking a look at some of the information hoarded away from public view in his secret library, and we will be listening to the last ever interview that I ever conducted with a former staff member. I suggest you buckle up, because this is a ride that you do not want to miss.
1: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are as a people inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silent. No expenditure is questioned. No rumor is printed. No secret is revealed. revealed. we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. In the
0: 1983 cult classic film Scarface, Al Pacino's character, Tony Montana, says the famous lines, quote, First, you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women. But this statement isn't entirely correct. A more accurate version would be First, you get the knowledge, then, you get the money, and only then do you get the power. You see, knowledge enables you to make money, and money enables you to buy influence, and influence gives you power. Let's elaborate on this point. True knowledge of where we have been and who we are enables a person to predict where we are going. And if you can predict where we are going, essentially you can predict the future. And if you can predict the future, well, you can become a god. When I was asked by a former school friend to investigate his late father, I was quite bewildered as to why. After all, he was the recipient of his father's business dealings, and my friend, he was extremely wealthy. But we should start this part of the story from the very beginning. My friend and I, who we will refer to as Kyle, grew up in a wealthy suburb on Sydney's lower north shore. We both attended an elite boarding school, but I think I will let Kyle take it from here. This is an excerpt from my first ever taped conversation with Kyle.
2: I'm going to die soon, so fuck it. Like, my dad was just like this mysterious fucking magical fairy that would turn up every now and again and take me away to the city and show me a good time, and then I'd go back to fucking my strict mum. Yeah, like yeah, when dad did show up, like, it was fucking great, and he'd fucking yeah, do all the fucking business. I know, like, I'm just thinking, ah, I need to get this shit out the thing is, man, like, I didn't fucking know my dad that well. So, you know, it was only in the later years that I got to know him. Who am I, man? Like, I'm someone who got lucky. To be honest, man, like, like when I was at that school, I just felt like I, I don't belong here. I was shoved here. I just fucking slotted in. I mean, at the time I didn't know how to actually articulate that, because I was just me being me, but like in hindsight, I was just like, this this place is fucked, like I didn't like it, I didn't yeah. like the whole ideology of it, but you know, again, that's me as an adult articulating that, but at the time I just, yeah, I just withdrew man, I just didn't want to fucking talk about it, I didn't want to fucking deal with it. I honestly I uh, can't even remember you
0: leaving the fucking school.
2: Yeah, because fucking no one fucking probably noticed me leaving the school. <laughs> it was a it was a relatively quiet extraction because I didn't make a big fucking mark there, man. Um, and in hindsight, that was a good thing. But um,
0: Like, how old were you when you moved?
2: Yeah, I would have been like 14, 15, 15, I'd say, when I got sent over to the UK. Yeah. yeah, after after years of fucking just the occasional surprise birthday present or whatever, you know, getting giving the money to the family so I could get into these fucking great schools. Um, yeah, at some point he decided he wanted me to come over and see the uh, other side.
0: I asked him about his father's wealth.
2: Well, uh, I didn't know it. When I was was really young, I had no idea, and then as I got a bit older, I sort of started to realize that, uh, yeah, we lived modestly, but we were never fucking without anything, you know? My mum kept it on the down low. Like, everyone knew she wasn't struggling, but she wasn't fucking, you know, riding around like a pimp, you know? Like, she was, yeah, she was pretty humble about the whole thing, but that was smart, because otherwise, yeah, you know, someone would have kidnapped me. But yeah, it's yeah that that thing is like it's old money, man. It's not. He didn't earn that money. He got money from the family, and it goes back to his father and his father's father, and it goes way back deeper than that. Um, it's just the roll of the dice, man. That's just what kind of family I got born into.
0: Kyle would go on to tell me about the origins of his family's wealth. It started in the usual way, by way of sword. But it would be future descendants that would take the family's wealth and power to unimaginable heights. Through the family's landholdings, they were able to take advantage of the start of the industrial revolution by building warehouses and factories. Sometime later, they'd turn some of their waterfront property in the ports and they would take advantage of the international trade movement. This would catapult the family into the 0.01%. In my
2: scenario, my dad's scenario, um, money's not a problem. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lubricant. It makes
0: things happen. It was at this point that Kyle would go on to tell me about some of his father's dodgy business meetings that he had with the heads of other global elite families.
2: Yeah, but there was all these meetings, like heaps of meetings that, like, aren't even, never been publicised. You know, like, he he just, he wasn't around much, man.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: To the point where he just decided it was too much and just got rid of me, I just not not to hurt me, I don't think. I don't think he intended to hurt anybody. He, he shipped me off to Australia So with, the, with my mother. So we'd be out of that, so he could do what he had to do. As time went on, you know, I, I started questioning, like, why don't I get to see Dad and what's going on? And uh, then the God-blessed uh, internet came along and started hearing these things I'm like I remember vaguely hearing about things like this here and there and there'd just there'd just be a couple of things you know I'd click on and read and they'd be like hang on I, I know that name I'm pretty sure my dad in in quotes had a meeting with that person and I'm like reading these stories so I, I just I just started asking questions after a while it well, wasn't well received. Uh, it's just um, you, you can't listen to all this chitter chatter. These are just these are just simple people, silly people, just chitter chattering amongst themselves like chipmunks. <laughs> there would be all these really um, condescending things like, don't think like them. You're not you're not one of them. I'm like what, what what do you mean I'm not one of them? I'm I'm a fucking human being. Um, and these people are talking about stuff I've heard of. I don't know, I got curious, but then it sort of got slapped out of me for a while because it just made things uncomfortable for my day-to-day existence, so I sort of went, uh ah, I'm just going to leave this alone for a while. I'll still stew on it, but I, I, didn't, I wouldn't say anything openly for a long time.
0: I asked Kyle about some of the family businesses.
2: I was running a restaurant. I had culinary skills and whatnot, but, like, I just skipped that because of a few favours from uh, family, friends and whatnot, and just went into managing a restaurant and just overseeing that. And, you know, it was a good restaurant. But um, it was doing well. And, you know, that was my life. You know, just fucking... Just run a restaurant and don't think about all this other shit. Yeah, yeah, like, he he had his... uh, He had things happening everywhere. Like, it's all about, like I said, money is a lubricant. So you need businesses to create the lubricant. It's better to have varied businesses as opposed to one, like, this is what I do, and fucking, you know, and you're making shitloads of money off that, and everyone focuses on that. And you're like, oh, you know, people concentrate on you. Whereas if you spread out your um, interests, It's harder for people to track what the fuck you're actually up to. The restaurants are, like, low end, like, like, it's not how much money the restaurant was making, but it was important for the restaurant to be successful. And as far as I knew at that time, relatively, I was just like, all right, let's fucking make this restaurant work and let's do that. And it was cool. It was good. Great people. Fucking met amazing people. Fucking had a great time.
0: I wanted to know more about his relationship with his father and the family on his father's side.
2: There wasn't enough time to really pick his brain and he wasn't one to have his brain picked.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Now magnets are picking his brain, but, you know, um, <laughs> I don't say that with hatred. I say that it's, it's just a biological fact. But, um, because he refused to get, um, cremated. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's, it's part of the belief system.
0: You fucking for real?
2: Yeah, yeah, you don't, you, you don't, you don't burn yourself. You, you put your, uh, biology back into the system. It's part of the belief system. It goes fucking way deep, but, you know, that's, yeah, He was never to be cremated. <sighs> Culture shock, man. Um... I didn't fucking belong there, eh? Right? Uh, it was just not my fucking thing. Um, I pretty much reverted back to my, my school stance on how I deal with things, you know what I mean? But I just went quiet and didn't say much. Even though I had a lot going on in my head, I, I just sort of just became a wallflower, so to speak. But um, I always knew that I was, just part, I was just like one tiny cog on a massive clock with like about a thousand cogs. And I was like one little tooth on one of those cogs. I knew that.
0: This part is at the back end of the conversation. I was still rather perplexed as to what the job actually was. I think his answer was quite vague. I don't even know where to start with this shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so fucking... It's just so fucking crazy.
2: This shit gets deep, man. You know, take on the job. Because I I, I can't... I can't do this by myself. I need someone else to do it, to play the wrong game. But on a smaller fucking scale, you know, like I need someone else to do what I would like to do and spread out the web. You know, and that's why you might encounter people who can do the same thing and it kicks on. But, you know, it's a big game. And we're we're playing it on very small fucking on a very small scale.
0: As intrigued as I was, I still had burning questions, like, why me?
2: I trust you because, yeah, we weren't the best of friends in school and whatnot, but I always liked you. I always thought you had some integrity and whatnot. But, like, the thing is, I'm going to bankroll you for this. This It's the biggest free ticket you'll ever get, man. Like, you're going to live comfortably. You're going to have a wage. And if there are extra expenses... They're going to be covered in your I can, I have a lot of people that I know that can offer you shelter, give you help here and there, but they also have to be careful. So it's, it's a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle. It's a little bit of a game of chess. You've got to be fucking careful. But we can do this because it's more important that this information gets out 100% going to take us a long time to get all the shit shoot it out like a fucking nuclear explosion and it's fucking done and no one can fucking deny that
3: you know what I mean but
2: we we can't send it out in juice and drabs otherwise there's too many fucking rats and they come and feed on the corpses of that shit so we've got to be careful we've got to get everything in a big payload and then drop that fucking bomb
0: My taped and non-taped conversations with Kyle didn't end there, but we will get into those tapes and those conversations later on when the information becomes more pertinent. For now, we will listen to the last interview that I ever recorded. I spoke with a former staff member who worked around the manor. She was initially very hesitant with the information that she provided me and she asked me to stop recording her voice halfway through. I will play the part of the conversation that was recorded, but I have disguised her voice for her own privacy. Then I will storyboard the rest of the information that she told me off mic. Just a quick disclaimer. In this part of the story, there are allegations of ritual sacrifice and murder. Some listeners may find this very distressing. For ease of reference... I will refer to the manor staffer as Magda. Magda worked at the manor for over 10 years, and in that time, she saw some very unusual activity. Magda would go on to tell me about parties that the owners would throw in the woods at the back of the estate. The all-male attendees would wear black hooded robes and fancy dress masks that she would describe as having horns and a long nose. No staff members were allowed near the woods while the event was taking place. Some staff members would claim that they heard female screaming and loud moaning coming from the woods where the party was. One staff member, a former groundskeeper, would claim that a sticky-like blood substance was found on one of the rocks that had been strategically laid in the event area. As a point of reference, 33 six-foot by one foot, stones laid in a circle pattern with a two metre gap between each one. In the centre was a 23.5 centimetre Moldavite stone. The Moldavite stone, although small in diameter, stood an impressive 1.5 metres off the ground. How do I know this? Because I would later see this first in the UK alone, 275,000 people go missing every single year. Out of that 275,000 people, 99% are eventually found. That still leaves 1% unaccounted for. That's 2,750 people. Magda were on to claim that out of the over 50 staff members, That worked around the manor 40 plus of them were young attractive eastern european women she would go on to claim that ritual-like sex parties were taking place with inside the walls of the mansion she would also claim that staff members who became pregnant would disappear for over a year only to return with no child how true these allegations are I can't be sure, but there are definitely writings within the books inside the secret library that confirm what she's saying. on the next episode of The Elitist Family Next Door. Some of these people that call themselves artists. They're not artists. They're, They're manufacturers. And the message that's embedded between those sonic frequencies, which are the melody. I have to make a formal apology to all listeners. I was previously given consent by Magda, the former staff member, to play the audio recordings that we took on the day. However, during recording of this episode, she contacted me and asked me not to play the audio. I apologize if I misled any listeners.
3: These shadows, they laugh with me. They say they have so much for me. I let them in. shame That has brought them here This shadow is mine